Greetings. It's an honor to be with you today. Thanks for that introduction. Psalm 96 says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. This will be our focus today. Uh, first, thanks to Kenny and Gary and your elders for this opportunity to speak to you and with you as a church. And as your church prepares, actually, to send out Ben and J.D. and Hartzell to the nations as missionaries with Pioneers. Now, my role with Pioneers is leading a team of people. It's called the Church Partnership Team. And we're focused on assisting churches to send missionaries to cross-cultural workers, to places, peoples, and cultures with no access to the gospel and no awareness that Jesus exists for 40 years, Pioneers has had a relentless pursuit of unreached peoples. The unreached are peoples and places where there is no viable church that exists. To reach that people group and culture, the role of Pioneers is best summed up in our mission statement. Pioneers mobilizes teams to glorify God among unreached peoples by initiating church planting movements in partnership with local churches. We partner with your church's vision and desire to send workers from your church, like the Hartzels and the Goins, to cross barriers of culture, language, and geography, to declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. James chapter 2 actually describes the Lord Jesus Christ himself as that very glory and his marvelous works as the glory of God sending his son to be the sacrifice to redeem the lost. So how are his glory and marvelous works declared among all nations and peoples? Well, Paul the apostle, and apostle means sent one, said in Romans 10, 13 to 15, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Well, your church website actually describes your mission. It says, according to Christ's command, our mission is to make disciples by reaching people with the gospel, building them up in the gospel, and releasing them with the gospel. It says that your vision statement is, we want to see the fame of Jesus spread as we love God, love one another, and love our neighbors, our city, and the nations. May I joyfully remind you this morning that your church embraces gospel-centered mission. The declaration and proclamation of the gospel is the center for all missions activity. Without the communicated gospel, Without the good news, there is no mission. 
So how do we reach, love, and disciple people outside of our context who have never heard the name of Jesus? How do we appropriately love the nations? How do unreached peoples get access to the gospel? Do you and I have a role to play in reaching them, or is that just for missionaries? The, and how will they hear without a preacher? Please understand I don't come as a critic of your website, your mission statements, or your mission's emphasis. For some of you, this might seem like nothing new. Yet all of us need a regular reminder of our King's mission for his church. My heart is for us as his disciples this morning, as, as global Christians, to be obedient to Christ's commands and take, out, take up our role. Let's look at some definitions to help us toward obedience. Every believer as a disciple is to be a witness, meaning our actions or, or the witnessing of our lives gives evidence to which others may be led to glorify our Father in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine that your good that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But the doing of good works, however much it may reveal Christ's reign over our hearts and minds, is not evangelism, which is communicating the gospel message with words. What is the gospel message exactly? That Jesus, sent by our missionary God, came in the flesh, was crucified on the cross as a sacrifice for the sin of mankind, was buried, then rose again from the dead, defeating sin, death, and hell, and proved it by appearing to more than 500 disciples. As Christ's disciples, our actions give witness to Jesus, the witnessing of our lives, and we evangelize those around us when we communicate the good news message. To evangelize is to share a message with others and call them to respond. What is missions and how are the nations defined, you might ask, after hearing this? The Bible defines the nations not as countries or nation states. Think Afghanistan, Chile, North Korea. But as the 17,000 unique cultures, tribes, tongues, languages, and people groups of the world. Think Tama, the Malay, the Ahishka, of which some 7,000 of them, almost 3 billion people, are considered unreached. But isn't my lost next-door neighbor unreached? Allow me to define this in some simple but distinct ways. The unevangelized are lost people within the sound of the gospel. My next-door neighbor, who happens to be Iranian, they are unevangelized, but they have me for a witness. The unreached are lost people not within the sound of the gospel. Again, Paul's words, how will they believe in him 
whom they have not heard. This distinction propels churches and disciples into a sending and going mindset. These are strategic distinctions that move us beyond only local ministry efforts. George Murray, Chancellor of Columbia International University, has provided some definitions that I think make helpful distinctions to our thinking and understanding. His definition of evangelism is helping people believe in Jesus. His definition of missions is helping people know there is a Jesus to believe in. He has often stated that evangelism is the church growing where it is, and missions is the church going where it isn't. And how will they hear without a preacher? These distinctions help us assess our mission focus and activity. This type of thinking helps the church focus on the unfinished task. It's called the Great Commission, or some might say on the mandate Jesus gave to us. Well, what is the Great Commission that Jesus gave? Often you might have heard of the Great Commission, but actually I believe that the mission of Jesus was given in five co-missioning statements where we are partnering with him and following his lead and his ways in doing mission. Think of this, the last words spoken, final words before departure, final words to describe the mission. Over a period of 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus engages the disciples on five different occasions, at five different times, defining and explaining specific facets of his mission for his church. These words must be very significant for Jesus to have repeated this concept five times before his ascension. Do you know what they are? The first is John 20, 21. It says that Jesus came into the room and breathed upon them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Then he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. How was Jesus sent by the Father? In intimate submission, Jesus listened and obeyed the Father. Told As the Father told him what to do, he obeyed him, and that was God's model for missions. The model for missions is listening with obedient submission to the Father himself. So, if we are sent like Jesus... How are we sent? What does this sentness look like? As the redeemed of God, we are sent into the world by the word of God made flesh, pursuing daily intimacy with the Father, submitting to his will and direction, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, so that we might glorify God as we accomplish the mission 
of making disciples of the nations. Every believer is to live as sent by God, in obedience to the Father on mission. None of us is exempt from a lifestyle of sentness to our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends, and all nations. By the way, this verse does not mean we are all missionaries or all have the role of a missionary. Author and pastor David Platt states, we are not all missionaries, but we are all on mission. Let me repeat that. We are not all missionaries, but we are all on mission. The second one was given in Mark 16, 15. Jesus gives the magnitude. He describes the greatness of this mission. And he said unto them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all the whole creation. We are global Christians. Disciples equal global Christians. Why is it that our imagination and conception of missions is so limited? All of us have seen the signs above church exit doors and, and at the exit of parking lots. You are now entering your mission field. Here's the good, the bad, and the ugly of that phrase. Here's the good. We are indeed commissioned by Christ to live on mission wherever we go, wherever we work, wherever we play. Here's the bad. An emphasis on your mission field can cause unhelpful tunnel vision such that you or your church focus on the people and place you live in to the exclusion of people and places far beyond you. Here's the ugly. If we all just focus on our mission field right around our churches, then almost 3 billion people. The unreached will continue to be born, live, and die without ever hearing the gospel once. We need to see the world as our mission field. We are given a picture of this global Christian gathering by the Apostle John in Revelation 7, 9, and 10. This is such a great picture. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation! belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. What a picture! Do we have the right-sized vision? Are we glimpsing the magnitude of the mission Jesus has given us? The whole world is the mission field. Next is something often known as the Great Commission. 
Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is its most popular. And here, Jesus gives the methodology. He starts with all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the very end. Known as the Great Commission, this series of verses is the what and the how to do the mission. It contains four verbs, go, make, baptize, and teach. Linguistically, one of them is an imperative verb. That's the one that creates a command and doesn't leave room for questions or discussion. It is the one that tells us what we are to do and what method to pursue. That verb is make. Make also transfers the action of making disciples to an object, all nations. It points to the object to make disciples of all nations. Now, Jesus did not say to disciple your family or disciple whomever happens to be near or disciple the people in your community or disciple the people like you, by the way. This is normative, normal discipleship. His command was to disciple all nations. In other words, all peoples, all ethno-linguistic groups, the, what's called the pantata ethne, which is Greek for all nations, ethno-linguistic people groups, the ethne. Make disciples cannot be linguistically divorced from of all nations. Do you see your discipleship responsibility as a local only focus? Is all nations the goal of your discipleship making? Next, in Luke 24, 44 to 49, Jesus defines the message. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus had a definitive message for the mission, a proclaimed message of repentance and forgiveness of sins to all nations. This is the essence of the gospel message. It is a clear message to turn away from our sins and receive forgiveness from those sins in the name of Jesus. This is the central mission's message of declaring his glory of the redemptive name of Jesus. Peter and John said this in the book of Acts, Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus had told us that our message for mission is to be repentance 
and forgiveness of sins. The proclamation of this gospel is the center for all missions activity. This is the declaration of his glory among the nations. The last time, just before his ascension, Jesus gave the means, the means of the mission. In Acts 1, 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. We are to be living witnesses. Oh, by the way, the original word translated for that is we are to be martyrs. We are to be sacrificed, living sacrifices, under the leading of the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live and speak the gospel message with courage and conviction. Let's be honest, without the Holy Spirit's power and guidance, his mission, this mission of Jesus that he has for his church is impossible. Jesus also reinforces the magnitude of the mission again. Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth all at the same time. The mission of the church is only possible with the supernatural guidance and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The means for our mission is not money. It's not skill. It's not great personal passion for the cause or the task. God says, actually, it's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit, by God's Holy Spirit. Finally, as partners, as a church fellowship, we go together by sending some to the nations. Acts 13, 1 to 3 actually gives a clear picture of an engaged local church participating together. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The church in Antioch launches their ministry of missions to the nations. We see a worshiping, praying, unified, proactive church, which sends Barnabas and Saul as the Romans 10 beautiful feet of those who bring good news of good things. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God's ultimate goal is that his name will be exalted and glorified where he is unknown 
where he is unadored, where he is unworshipped. Missions is about the supremacy of our God among all nations and peoples. Missions is our global Christian way of saying the joy of knowing Christ is not a private, it's not a tribal, it's not a national, it's not even an ethnic privilege. It is for all peoples. That is why some, like the Hartzels and the Goans, are stepping forward in obedience to go. That is why a church like Brandywine Grace and the partners at Brandywine Grace sends them. As a church, you hold the ropes for them as they go into the dark mine shafts of people groups with no gospel witness or access. That is why we must use every means at our disposal, means of prayer, of time, money, mobilization, encouragement, and communication to align our activities as disciples with the great commissioning purpose of Jesus so that he will be exalted in the earth. So there are many roles in the sending process. What is yours as a partner at Brandywine Grace? How will you engage the nations? There are many opportunities. Prayer has been called the true work of missions. Will you sacrificially pray and join their prayer teams? Money will be required to send them to be witnesses in different places. Will you join your church in supporting them sacrificially? They will face huge cultural adjustments and changes. Will you communicate regular encouragement and help to them? Or maybe today the Holy Spirit may be stirring in your heart about possible cross-cultural ministry. Step up. Start your journey. Speak with Gary or other elders for prayer, affirmation, direction. Invite them into your heart and let the Holy Spirit lead you forward. Get educated and learn about what God is doing globally. Also, there will be sermon application questions in your e-liturgy that all partners receive, plus ideas for application on the church website, including a short three-minute video as an illustrative follow-up to what sending looks like. Kenny will close our service in prayer for the Hartzels today. Thanks for your attention to God's word today. May God use your church to declare his glory and marvelous works upon the nations. Guys, 